I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about an event many of us are currently praying for, the rapture. That blessed moment when God looks down at the earth and says, that's enough of that now, which is something he must surely be thinking by now. Adulterous pilot Danny Moran is cheating on his very Christian wife with some sinful, sexy babe, to the chagrin of his daughter Sam Foster, herself hardly living a spotless life of godliness. One day, an extremely holy sliver of the world's population vanishes, including Danny's wife and Sam's siblings, leaving only their clothes behind and sending all the sinners into a total panic. Everyone on poor Danny Moran's plane is freaking out, Poor Sam is rushing about trying to find out what happened, and in general, everything is consumed by violent chaos. It's a pretty big improvement from how things are right now. Is what I would be saying if this were a adaptation of the 2014 young Christian adult film Left Behind, starring Nicolas Cage. It's really just a rambly film podcast in which a pair of godless heathens blather about movies. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me, a man losing his shit, Danny Moran. Hello. Hello. Sam, we've dedicated our lives to film. We keep on making this podcast, but are we podcasting to silence? That's the question I keep asking myself, and luckily, it's the central theme of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Silence, although in a slightly more theological sense. I'll be finding out whether Sam thought the film was good by asking him to step on a poster of Andrew Garfield's face and seeing if he does or not. That joke makes more sense if you've seen the film. We'll also be catching up with the latest award show, Bants, the Golden Globes, wins and losses, plus a 40-minute discussion about the most headline-grabbing moment of that night. I'm, of course, referring to how good Gosling looks in a white tux. You did it again, Gosling. You're hot as shit. All of which should leave me enough time to form my latest impression. Leia Sudu doing a Sudoku. Oh, I know. Wait, uh, maybe uh, the cat there, but no, the cat is... It's <laughs> making full use of your French vocabulary, that particular bit. Uh, un, and then... Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John
Sam Casey writes in to begin the new year. Guess we, well, first of all, we should say hello and welcome back. We're back. I hope everyone had a lovely New Year's Eve break and New Year's Day and all the rest of their holiday days. And uh, thanks to everyone who came to our recent film quiz, which was delightful and a big success. Um, So Sam Casey writes in, he says, Hi, film chat. It seems to me, and I think is referenced in one of your jingles, that you both have a very similar taste in films. I was wondering if there are any films that you both have very opposing views on. Perhaps in the spirit of the good old family Christmas argument, you could find one of these films and fight it out for our listening pleasure. That's prob- that's pretty true, isn't it? That we tend to agree. That's true. But the thing is, Sam wrote this saying, unfortunately, at this time we were recording the Christmas special. So we could have had an argument and we would have, you know, repaired the damage over the festive season. But yeah. we're going to kick off the year with potential divisive inducing you know reopening old scars yeah the year will begin in uh you know it'll be (laughs) burst with a pang of rage or whatever i like the new world you think it's a load of pants do you still do you still stand by your initial reaction to it still stand by it yeah Um, yeah we disagree with the terence malick movie the new world lost in translation yeah that's one i feel like i need to see that one again before i can because i don't think i've seen it since it came out what else Sicario, um, I didn't like that at all. You thought it was good. I think our most recent, like, biggest split was over Sicario, wasn't it? Yeah. Because we had... Three... I remember. We were on a train and you got off and just took a different train. Yeah, I couldn't take it. <laughs> it wasn't convenient for my journey at all, but I was like... Not at all. You can't... I saw it but... after the fact, um, yeah. Sicario, and I was I didn't get the hype. I thought it was kind of boring. No, it's good, because it means that the official film chat record is that that movie is great. That's the that's film chat's opinion on it. Yeah. If you don't want to get with the podcast opinion on it, Danny, that's your fucking problem. But I'm actually going to go in and splice in my opinion into that uh, episode oh, yeah? and cut out what you're saying. In fact, I'm going to splice in your opinion now, which I've heavily edited. So this is a bit of a late review of a movie that's been out for quite a long time now, but it might still be around if you um, can catch it. Sicario. It's a... It's a boring film. I really thought it was... Shit. Um, it's definitely... Not. One of my films of the year so far. It's a... Tedious. Thriller. It's it's a really shit thriller because it's tedious and it's about nothing and those two elements knit together really well. I just did that probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'll take your word for it. Uh, so when you're recording a podcast me. that you know will be edited later, you can just do all sorts of stuff, can't you? You can make any promise. Yeah, but it's true. We do agree on a lot of things. Um, I'm trying to think of any more. I'm always relieved if you see a movie that like I've seen and already expressed an opinion on and you come back and like agree with me (laughs) because I don't want to have to I don't have to face your well thought out opinions and have to like (laughs) defend my own opinions it's much easier if you just agree with them and I don't have to argue a simpler life yeah it's just makes things a lot like a marriage right you don't compromise I don't have to question myself I just like having my opinions validated not argued with of course um what film do you like, which I don't like? I loved Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yeah, you said that. I thought it was actually the best cop film ever made and the best film about malls. Yeah, that's true. And you saw it and thought that it was actually pretty bad. <laughs> I gave you my copy of The French Connection and you burnt it and gave me a copy of um, <laughs> Too Fast, Too Furious. You're like, this is a proper car movie. Yeah, exactly. But then I did actually watch it and I did agree with you. So, Yeah, so in that way, we'd actually agree on that one. Hope that answers your question, Sam. If you uh, have any films that you think are particularly divisive and you want to get us to watch them, I mean, I don't know. If you if you want to drive a rift between us, that's the ball's in your court. Yeah. And good luck to you. Because it <laughs> would, could make for some pretty exciting 
podcast audio. Superhero films announced, casting rumours leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated, Meryl Streep's Oscar tips, Matt Damon's in a viral vid, Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's fit to print. We are approaching awards season. Well, we've arrived in awards season, in fact. And it's <laughs> going to stretch on for a little while. And we've just had the Golden Globes. Danny, did you follow the Golden Globes? I at watched the time? some of the clips. And, did you look uh, at any of the dresses and suits? Oh, yeah. Haircuts? I like that Evan Rachel Wood wore a suit. Well, that was pretty cool. Oh, did she? She's a lady woman, but she wore a suit. Was it like Janelle Monáe style? Yeah. I was watching it. And I thought that they should have just cast Evan Rachel Wood as the Joker. She was kind of dressed like him. Oh, really? Well, like well, the like the same kind of suit he was wearing, the sort of penguiny. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. The you mean when he's in his club? Yeah, yeah, and he's dressed to the nines. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I followed it a bit. Like the Golden Glows have historically, I don't know. There's a narrative they've invented themselves, but they like the the Oscar conversation starts at the Golden Globes and whatever. Whoever wins there is significant. For the rest of the awards. Yeah. But what's kind of interesting is that one of the biggest films talked about is La La Land, which we'll review next week. But because it's a musical and that's split, um, the Golden Globes have separate categories if you're a musical and comedy. It's perhaps got more love at the Golden Globes than it will later on. Or perhaps it's just added to the momentum in a way which it wouldn't have done had it all been squashed together. Like with Moonlight Trumpet, because that won Best Drama. Yeah. But because it's split, it's like... It's hard to tell what people are leaning towards. Yeah, I mean, this is different to last year when The Martian won, right? Uh, well, Matt Damon before? won Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Musical, right, okay, yeah. Um, but, like, no one thought The Martian was going to win Best Picture or whatever, <laughs> so maybe it's, like, it doesn't gather the momentum the same way, but that is probably considered to be one of the major contenders, right? La La Land this year. Yeah, so the Best Actor award went to Casey Affleck, but Gosling got it for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. So are they the two frontrunners? Mm. one's got all these sexual assault allegations the other guy is like the perfect man and a feminist it's a battle between good and evil oh i see what you mean yeah that's true you can't let the creepy case affleck win when you got the super feminist ryan gosling who apparently gave some speech about the unsung labor of ladies behind men who win awards or something like that i know he's perfect it's like hey girl i appreciate you and i was like he delivered a super hey girl speech apparently i didn't watch did you watch it oh yeah oh it was moving he he dedicated to the uh his recently departed brother-in-law Oh, that's nice. about his wife and his kids. Wow. I was like, Gosling. It's like, oh, what's the matter with you, Gosling? It's so perfect. What's wrong with you? <laughs> something you so perfect. Not what's wrong with you, but what's wrong with you is like, there must be something wrong oh, with you. What is wrong with you? There's <laughs> got to be something. I mean, what is it? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, that sounds <laughs> like I'm angry, but I'm just curious. <laughs> Yeah, so the other big news from the Golden Globes was Meryl Streep's anti-Trump speech. She uh, did what people often do in Hollywood, which is praise Hollywood yeah, uh, as being a sort of bastion of liberal progressiveness that the rest of the country has got to catch up with and often comes off a bit smug. But everyone loved Meryl Streep bringing it. Um, she was praising Hollywood's diversity. And it was often, I mean, with a lot of other things that um, are super pro Hollywood speeches, it was like, you know, nice and intent, but uh, like strikes a bit of an odd note, you know, in reality, because Hollywood is not the this like tent pole of perfect diversity. Like clearly, 
you know? No. She, it was this part of her speech where she was like, and we've got this person in the room who's from this place and blah, blah, blah. And it was all these different people who are from different places. But it's like, we just had Oscars, so why, you know? I don't think. Yeah. I think it's more the idea that, like, it's a meritocracy was what she was getting at. Yeah, but... which, which it is not. Well, no. But... More so, I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, 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 one, it's one of those yeah. things that they sort of like they praise the idea of it, but like you know, sort of ignore its flaws a bit. And she took Trump to task. She didn't name him, but or did she name him? No, she didn't name she him. Didn't she name did the him. Michelle that's, Obama approach. Yeah, that's the rising above it. You yeah. Know? Uh, that's the sort of statesmanlike. Everyone is trying to prove how statesmanlike they are by you know compared to the very unstatesmanlike Donald Trump. And she talked about how upset she was watching him mock a reporter who uh, had disability, doing his flailing arms and stuff. But there was one performance this year that stunned me. It, it sank its hooks in my heart. Not because it was good. It was, there was nothing good about it. <laughs> but it was effective and it did its job. It made its intended audience laugh and show their teeth. It was that moment when the person asking to sit in the most respected seat in our country imitated a disabled reporter, someone he outranked in privilege, power, and the capacity to fight back. It, it kind of broke my heart when I saw it, and I still can't get it out of my head because it wasn't in a movie. It was real life. And this instinct to humiliate when it's modeled by someone in the public platform, by someone powerful, it filters down into everybody's life because it kind of gives permission for other people to do the same thing. Disrespect invites disrespect. Violence incites violence. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. Trump obviously uh, responded yeah. Uh, described Meryl Streep as overrated on Twitter. <laughs> that must have cut her deeply and said that he wasn't really mocking that reporter. He was, I don't know, just, just, just doing respectfully repeating his words in the most accurate and nuanced way he could. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just doing an incidental little dance. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you make of the Streep speech? What's your take? Hot take. Hot take. Well... I don't know if it'll change anything, but I I feel it was it was good. It was warranted. I don't know because the press has been so soft. It seems. Yeah. I, but like I think people, you you got to call this stuff out constantly all the time from now until we get impeached. So, yeah. A couple, <laughs> cu- couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was an example of like using the platform in a good way. It wasn't like Leo talking about how he has to cancel out his yacht bills by building a forest or whatever you know like <laughs> <laughs> you know how much money you know how much carbon i blew getting here got to build another rainforest or whatever yeah i think i think like i have slightly mixed views because i definitely agree that um it's important to not normalize trump and everything like that and uh it's always good when people call out what an awful person he is but i think there's a tendency in um, american liberalism to sort of rely on things which have like seem like action at the expense of things that actually are you know and i think it's just like 
it's just i mean it's a very common thing in award speeches to yeah. like make some lofty comment about um some important issue and everyone like applauds wildly or whatever but it doesn't actually like do anything yeah, yeah. like it the, if anyone is going to be able to change the direction of american politics it's not some an actor giving a speech in an award ceremony you know no but like everyone is like yeah it's i mean it's a little bit like the sort of donald trump john oliver stuff you know what i mean yeah. it's like mel shoop destroys trump destroyed just destroyed yeah. no, it's still there <laughs> yeah um but you know good for you meryl but you did play Thatcher, so what's that about? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so what's that about? So what's that about? What is that about? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're going to hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. Let's join Share between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on, the guys are in, so let the chat begin. Start talking now. So Silence, this is directed by Martin Scorsese and written by him and Jay Cox, who is a regular collaborator with him. They wrote Gangs of New York together and The Last Temptation of Christ. And it's based upon the 1966 novel of the same name by Shuzako Endo. And the plot is basically in the 16th century, Christianity was sort of taking root in Japan. But then the authorities saw this as a danger to Japanese culture and outlawed it. And it was brutally put down. And all the Catholic priests were forced to apostatize, which is to publicly denounce their faith. And those who uh, refused were killed. And one such priest is Father Ferreira, played by Liam Neeson. And at the beginning of the film, uh, news has reached the church in Portugal that Ferreira has apostatized and two young Jesuit priests, Father Garupe. Yeah, Garupe. Garupe, played by Adam Driver and Father Rodriguez, played by Andrew Garfield, don't believe this to be true and travel to Japan to find out what happened, aided by a Japanese guide called Kichijiro. And once there, they start preaching the gospel to Japanese Christians who are hiding their faith and things develop from there. Mm. And here is a clip of Rodriguez and Garupe discussing how they're not really making progress in their quest to find Ferrara. One of us must go to Nagasaki and find him. It's too dangerous. For us, for the people who shelter us. We send Kichichiro, he brings back word we can act on. Are you mad? Where is he? He's never here. He's always drunk. You know he can't be trusted. What do we do? We must do something to find Father Ferreira. Yes. So, it's a big film, isn't it? It's very weighty. <laughs> it's long. It's massive. It's, it's super long. It's, got, it's about big, important themes. It is pretty intensive. Yes. Strap, strap yourself in. You know, this is in uh, Scorsese in full tilt, uh, gangster, banker, entertainment mode. No, it's this very is contemplative, spiritual reflective, thoughtful Scorsese. film. Yeah, and it's definitely a film that demands some contemplation afterwards. I think absolutely. I 
enjoyed it. There's a lot to admire about it. And I think some uh, individual bits of it were really memorable and strong. But I think I responded more to the subject matter than the film in a way. Like the questions it's posing, the things that are interesting about it, I imagine were the things that were interesting about the book. And I don't know how successful adaptation it is. Hmm. And there are definitely points in the movie where I felt like this is probably the amazing internal prose of a novel struggling to be rendered in a visual sense. I don't know if you felt similar. It, it dragged a bit in the second half for me. I found it, I actually found it a really enjoyable experience to watch it. And I think it's kind of grown on me a bit um, since as well. Um, I'm sort of in, currently inclined to think that it was really, really good. Um, <laughs> I think that the what you're saying about it, I think is partly true. And I think maybe it has something to do with Andrew Garfield's performance. And he has the most screen time and it's his internal struggles that are most represented on the screen. And I think he's pretty good, but isn't like absolutely amazing. So he doesn't no. necessarily replicate, um, you know, whatever the uh, incredible seminal prose of the novel is just in his facial features when he's like, you know, contorted with concerns and stuff. And he's also doing a bit of a half Portuguese accent that sort of comes in and out um, and it is not uh, what Liam Neeson is doing. Uh, and they're all sort of the accent work is a bit all over the place, which is a bit weird. I find it like slightly off putting in a way. Yeah. It makes the otherwise uh, very invested naturalistic performances just seem a bit too much like, you know, a British actor guy pretending to be a 17th century Portuguese yeah, uh, yeah. priest. But yeah, no, I really liked it. It's obviously very long. And I think for me i felt the length most maybe right at the end where it has this like quite languorous epilogue but i found that it was a film that i I settled into and that kept my attention and i was always interested to see where it went next and every conversation was brimming with ideas and um powerful emotions and i was all i was always kind of hooked into it it's a film that treats theology in a very serious way uh, which I have not seen um, very much in other movies. It's very unusual to see a film which feels quite overtly religious in its outlook, but it's dealing with religious subject matter in the complex way that really devout people wrestle with their own religion. And it has uh, an attitude of questions that don't have answers, which is a big part of spirituality and faith. And the central thing of the guy, um, you know, the metaphor of silence, whatever, you know, he's like talking to God and God doesn't talk back. And that is something which people of faith have to deal with, you know, constantly. Um, the, The fact that their prayers are not like directly answered by someone speaking to them. And the film is quite good, I think, in that it doesn't attempt to... Uh, wrap things up in a really neat way that just like tells you the answers but i still found it very dramatically satisfying i think it does wrap it up a bit like with him like, well there's a the, we not, can't talk without spoilers but like there certainly is a moment right at the end which um understand is not in the novel which yeah. gives it a little puts a little bow on it in a way that is a bit weird to be honest yeah um but yeah i don't i, I don't think that it necessarily undercuts the generally like questioning outlook of the movie yeah go ahead I was going to say one of the things that um, distinguishes Mark Scorsese's work is that he doesn't really judge his characters, uh, which is why if you're an idiot, you can watch Wolf of Wall Street and think it's like about this total it's a pro legend, ba- pro banker movie, yeah. Uh, but if you've got like a moral conscience, you can realize it's about this sort of total sack of shit. But you can, you know, because it's not uh, he's a sack of shit and he's portrayed as one, but he's also not punished by the movie or exactly. Yeah. And he like in this film. Uh, he presents things just as they are and like allows you a lot of space for the audience. And this approach uh, 
is very open to interpretation, but it kind of works because it's all about the quest for meaning and God's ambivalence. But I think it has a somewhat negative side effect with the character of Rodriguez because because the plot is quite simple when he basically does the same thing throughout the entire movie. I think there's like there's a broadness bordering on vagueness to him. And the whole film is about this sort of character arc, his journey. And for me, it was like a little muddy. And I think it's partly because he's been asked to do Andrew Garfield. I don't think he's particularly good in the film. And he's been asked to emote the same thing again and again. It kind of reminded me a bit of, it was kind of very Japanese in his acting. It was like, <laughs> the last movie I saw set in Japan was Ran, which had a bit where like an old guy is like, wait, like wailing and gnashing his teeth for the entire movie. And it was a bit like that. It's like, I feel that reaches a point of diminishing returns quite quickly. There's mm. only so bushy your beard can get and pained your face can look before it starts getting, I don't know, it held my attention, but it was bordering on being a bit dull. And uh, Adam Driver, who's also in the film, I thought was brilliant. And in my head, they should have switched roles. Scorsese should have been like, this guy's a much better actor. Lewis Garfield. I think Driver's, Driver has a more interesting face than Garfield, so I would have rather watched his suffering face than Garfield's. Yeah, yeah. better actor as well, I think. I think like one of the achievements of the movie for me is that it, it rendered the central concerns of Catholicism dramatically interesting, and I think I probably would have, prior to the film... Um, found them like either distasteful or boring or just like weird like the, basically the, the catholic obsession with like guilt and suffering which is you know almost like sadistic yeah in in a in, in a in a weird way and in this movie the it's all about suffering basically the whole film and the relationship between garfield and the suffering of the um christians uh in japan who he sees tortured and like his own suffering uh felt dramatically real and not just like some passion of the christ style torture porn and um i thought that was uh i thought it was good you know i felt like i was being drawn into a catholic mindset basically watching the movie which i didn't necessarily think that i would be otherwise and it also connected those theological questions to like the experience like the everyday experience of people's lived lives you know it's not just theology as it's an interesting kind of middle ground between the dry theological discussions that you might have with a you know your priest in a like church or whatever and like the actual um people's lives as they live them and I don't know, it, I, I found it like just a dramatically very subtle and um, interesting film. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a bit of a missed opportunity or like just the character of Rodriguez didn't pop as much as it needed to, to fully invest me. I think I like, held my attention, but it's like all these questions it poses, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a godless man. Somebody's like, should I uh, let all these people die or step on a bible it's like step on the bible mate you know don't be a prick about it like <laughs> but like his internal struggle is like well it's all you know it's all baloney i don't yeah um i don't know like you know the whole thing about becoming again the catholic mindset i don't for me it didn't successfully do that yeah i think it worked better it worked better for me because i think that coming it from a purely secular perspective his dilemma isn't really that much of a one yeah that's what i mean you gotta so, you gotta invest so you in have him to invest it. yeah and right. i and i felt like I, you know, I understood it as a, I understood it as a dilemma rather than it just being something where you're just like, well, you know, oh, I get it. God doesn't exist. <laughs> so just act accordingly, you know, and I, I, I wasn't, yeah, but I, wasn't, I, I wasn't remaining aloof in a way that, you know, I, I think no, I would have. I just think it's like, I didn't care if you're like, I just didn't care. Like, cause it's like this whole thing about silence is almost like it kind of um, skirts like nihilism towards the end. It's like, what does it all mean? It's like nothing. And they're like, uh, I don't know, it just broke down to the point, for me at least, where like, 
I just don't think there was a lot to that character. It wasn't as fleshed out as it could be. And so I wasn't really invested in his problem. So, but... Right. Well, <laughs> I was more, I think. I think it's got a very interesting take on the nature of sacrifice and the pastoral duties of priests um, and uh, the... Uh, I don't know. Various. There's a lot of yeah. There's no, no. Of, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I think, yeah. Like I know that like you're saying that the, the basically the issues it raises are more interesting than like the the characterization of it, um, which I can understand. I th- but I think I think it was pretty good. I was fine with it. When Zach Braff heard something that changed his life, what he listened to. When John Cusack made a mistake for his future wife, what did she listen to? And when Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? When Tim Robbins showed Shawshank that he had enough, which record did he choose? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now my fun quiz. Oh, good. I love quizzes. I've helped prepare one, and now I get to be in one. So, at the time of recording, it's Wednesday. I had Obama's farewell speech, mm-hmm. so I prepared a special Obama-themed movie quiz. Yeah, we've got to, we've got to say goodbye to Obama. He's so nice, isn't he? Yes, and he, and he speaks so well, and he doesn't uh, grab anyone's pussy, as far as we know. As far as we know. <laughs> so I prepared five Obama-themed questions and then one Trump question at the end to lead you into the new the new dawn. Ugh, what a so, t- that, that question is going to be miserable. Question one. Yeah. Some of these are multiple choice. Okay, good. I probably will suck at this. What is Obama's favorite movie? Is it A, High Noon, B, The Godfather, or C, Field of Dreams? High Noon. Wrong. Uh, The Godfather. Yes. Uh, Yes! I got it right. High Noon is uh, Bill Clinton's favorite movie. Oh, okay. And Field of Dreams is George W. Bush's favorite movie. Hmm, Fair enough. Question number two. Barack and Michelle's first date was recently turned to a movie entitled Southside with You. But which film did the real couple watch on that first date? Oh, gosh. It is a movie released in 1989. It's now considered to be a classic. I can give you another clue if you need one. Batman? No. <laughs> did that come out in 1989? Probably, yeah. Michael uh, Keaton. Um, I don't know. Give me another clue. It was made by a famous writer-director, and he made a film last year. Uh, a brain gears wearing uh, film, real writer, director, film last year. Uh, I don't know, Danny. I just don't know. I need some subject matter clues for the film. Oh, I can't really like giving it away. Well, you, well, why not, though? I think you should. We'll give it away. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should give a clue that gives it away, and then I'll be able to be right. It's um about uh, race relations in America. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, is it uh, the Spike Lee film? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, no, that's not Spike Lee. It's John Singleton. That's John Singleton. You racist. Um, sh- uh, you know that one about the where it's all really hot and he's like works at the barbershop or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> do the right thing. Do the right thing. Yes, it's do the right thing. They saw yeah. do the right thing on their I, first date. I knew I'd get it right. Free. What was Obama's favorite movie in 2015? Was it A. The Martian? B. Spotlight or C Inside Out. I'm I'm guessing The Martian. Yes, yes, legit, correct. Spotlight. Answer. I just made that up. 
why well, didn't make it up that's an actual film i just threw it in there but <laughs> inside out was michelle obama's favorite film of 2015 okay so michelle's more in tune with the film chat opinion exactly on the year question four out of the 20 people who received a presidential medal of freedom at the 2016 ceremony which was uh-huh. about a month ago how many were actors and i'm only counting people who are best known for their acting so wait. ellen degeneres doesn't count she got one but she's more famous as a comedian yeah so uh, wait how many were there 20 and how many of them were actors? Yeah, do you want some multiple choices for this? Or? Yeah, please. Is it A, three? Okay. B, five? Mm-hmm. Or C, seven? Difficult question, Danny. I'm going to be guessing. I'm going to be pulling this one out of my anus. Put it out. Five. Wrong. Seven. Wrong again. Three. <laughs> it's three. <laughs> the actors in question were Robert De Niro, Tom Hanks, and Robert Redford. Got it. Icons of American cinema. Yeah, I was like, I thought they would have been given a medal by president already. Their films are so good. Why don't they have medals? That's what I think when I see De Niro in a movie. I'm like, give him, stick some metal on this guy. <laughs> Guy's a legend. Yeah, forget how annoying you are when we watch De Niro movies together. <laughs> <laughs> when we watch Dirty Grandpa together, I was always going on about get him, medals. Get him a medal. Yeah. Yeah. One for Zach as well. Why are you getting De Niro one? Question five. According to the Wikipedia article, Black Presidents of the United States in Popular Culture, how many black presidents have been in movies since Obama came to power? This is a very good quiz. Uh, multiple choice. Is it A, three, B, five, <laughs> C, ten? <laughs> oh, man. Well, to be honest, I don't know how accurate this is. It's just going by the Wikipedia This entry. is a real mindfuck of a multiple choice one on me, Danny. You've yeah. got a big gap here in between B and C. Yeah. Is it C? 10? No. Well, why'd you put that in? You're just trying to screw with me. All right, I'm going to guess... <laughs> what do you mean? What? Five. No, it's wrong again. It's three. It's three again. The ones in question is... Danny Glover played the president in 2012. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Jackson played the president in uh, Big Game. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Foxx played the president in White House Down. All right. Yeah. There's pro- there might be more, but... Yeah, I'm going to go away and source seven more, and then you're going to be... Who's going to be laughing then? Interesting bit of trivia I learned from reading this article. The first movie portrayal of a black American president was probably that of Sammy Davis Jr. in the 1933 film Rufus Jones by President. In this short musical comedy, the seven-year-old Davis is told by his <laughs> mother, portrayed by Ethel Waters, that anyone can become president, and later dreams of his own inauguration. Outside of the dreams, the film reflects contemporary racist attitudes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good movie. Uh, so we've gone past Obama. We're now into the sixth and final question, which is Trump-related. All right. So this is referring to a video which has got a bit of notoriety since he became a bit more famous, uh, which is him discussing Citizen Kane for an Errol Morris short film. And he gives a surprisingly eloquent appraisal of Citizen Kane and what it's about. But at the end, Errol Morris asks him, if you could give Charles Foster Kane advice, what would you say to him? What was his response? A, get yourself a different woman. B, Forget about the sledge. Focus on the things you have. Or C, there's no money in papers. Invest in real estate. <laughs> um, uh, ooh, tough, tough question. I'm going to guess A. No, if you could give Charles Foster Kane advice, what would you say to him? Get yourself a different woman. You're correct. Yes. Get yourself a different woman. 100% on the Trump segment of this quiz. Yeah. Not so good on the Obama section. No, not as good on that. I think think I'm going to be in my element in the Trump years. I think you definitely are. I do love that. Basically, it's really worth watching this video because he talks about what it says in Kane and the themes. And he's identified the theme successfully. Yeah. what it's about and in the end it's like what would it be advice like it is a different broad it's like <laughs> that's not what the film's fucking about he makes the woman's life a misery 
Yeah. <laughs> Here's the problem. I love it. The real problem was the woman. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Danny. That was good. That was a good quiz. You did a really good job of compiling it. You did a you did a great job of answering the questions. Yeah. Not quite as good, to be honest, as your job. But no, not quite as good as me. I'm happy with my own performance. I think two out of five is not is pretty good, actually. That's, that's, that's a solid, baseball terms. That's solid forty percent. That's a pass, isn't it? So that's a solid C. That's a C. That's a I'll C. I'll take it. <laughs> it's a similar sounding noise. So it's <laughs> So science Um Thank you for listening to episode 101 of Film Chat. We're in three digits, which we're pretty happy about. If you enjoyed listening to it, and I'm sure that you did, uh, remember to rate us on iTunes, leave a little comment if you haven't done that already, because that uh, makes us extraordinarily delightful and happy. And leave us comments on Facebook, get in touch, you know, all the good stuff. Tweet, Bebo. Tweet. Yeah, the hashtag is Film Chat is the greatest podcast. You can use that hashtag. It's pretty popular. And uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, have a good week. And we'll see you back here next week. When will we be reviewing what? La La Land. La La Land. And Manchester by Sea. Yeah, it's going to be awardsy. We're going to have a lot of uh, more, Boom. more more deep, thoughtful remarks to make. So Absolutely. So see you then. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.